I wanted a community. I want to have more friends that, that come and enjoy the food that I would eat. That was the whole point of Brulee. One of the things that I love most about hospitality is that people can create such personal spaces to express themselves. I was drawn to a cafe in Port Melbourne called Brulee. I can't say exactly what made me want to go inside, but when I did, I knew that my instinct was right. It just felt very personal and I knew, I just knew there was going to be a great story behind Brulee. So I've got owner and founder Mariana Chedid onto the show to explain everything to us. Mariana, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thank you, Danny. Thank you so much for having me. So I want you to explain what people will see, feel and smell when they walk into Brulee. Well, what I wanted um, Brulee to be is just people walking into their home. You know, this is my personal space. This is how I I want my living room to be. It's just um, I've created a place where I can go and eat. And at the same time, I just wanted people to share that with me. That's basically what it was. It's just a, a place where I can enjoy my cooking, you know, and know that there's good ingredients, clean place, and um, just have people to come and enjoy it with me. That's basically it. Yeah, well, it does definitely feel very welcoming. Um, I guess the things that I noticed were a communal table with games on it, a a piano, uh, a a variety of seating um, where people would feel very comfortable sitting on their laptop, bringing their kids, um, having a little date, a little date afternoon. Um, And then the beautiful pastry cabinets with really interesting patisserie. uh, And I also, I think it's a really interesting breakfast menu as well. Um, And the service was just so warm and invested. I think it's, I felt like everyone could have been an owner with just the amount of deep engagement they seem to have with what they were doing. Yeah, well, that's what I try and teach my staff is that we all own brulee. It's not just for me, you know. This is their business too. Their wages is their business. The more we make money, the more they're going to make money, you know. So I try always to put that culture in their head to have the eyes of an owner because at the end of the day, any customer that comes in, he's our boss. I'm just a way of transferring money because if they come in and they're happy, they're going to transfer the money and then I'm going to transfer it to my staff you know it's not about so that's what I try and 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 teach them to have an eye and and it's always tell them that it's good for you to 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 picture yourself as an owner because eventually you will have your own shop and gain from this experience I'm giving you a space for you to learn how to manage make all your mistakes just like I did my mistakes with other people's cafes or restaurants you know this is your space to do all your mistakes where I can learn from them and you learn from them and that will just make us all a better team I think this is this is why all my staff have invested in in brulee wow I've been I found that such a mature attitude especially because this is such a young business but I feel like Mariana you better take us back and uh, tell us tell us the story behind this special place okay so um, I'm I'm Lebanese I was born and raised in Lebanon and then um, we migrated as me and my brothers to um, Sydney for studies as international students and um, over there, my first job was a subway. And I was, and I remember the first time I came to, Mel- to Sydney, I was mesmerized by the diversity of the people. You know, in Lebanon, you don't see a lot of immigrants, like mainly we do 
leave tend to leave the country and the kindness of the people whether they're customers whether you go to a supermarket like I was I was really amazed by the the culture here and um, so yeah I've worked at Subway then that's while I was studying I did something that has nothing to do with cooking it was architectural technology and um, did some work in cleaning which I always like to say why I've done these jobs because these have taught me to become who I am today you know because when you learn how to clean a bathroom you will know how to clean your own bathroom in your own restaurants you know so so that's why I, I always like to tell my staff that I was there I was a kitchen hand I used to scrub toilets like it's it's no big deal this is how you learn this eventually you will outgrow all these tasks but if I have to do it I know I'm going to do it right so um so yeah and then after I finished my studies we all moved to Melbourne because it was easier for us to get our um, residency here in Melbourne back then and um started working in hospitality because I was on a bridging visa I couldn't get a job and I was I think I was lucky for that because it was easy to get a waitressing job and my first job was at La Poqueta with Rocky in Carlton I don't know if you know him I'm sure you know him <laughs> yeah legendary place I think when I was at uni everybody worked there and he was just a character and I learned a lot from him you know it was him he made the place it was nobody else when he's in there the whole energy of the place changes and this what taught me that you know you have to lead lead in a good energy you can't just come in and because it all counts on me if I'm happy at the shop everybody will become happy so he had taught me a lot in that that matter and then after that I just started moving on went to a barista um, position and I've like it was just front of house all the time to a point where I got a job at Zuki group you know they're in hospitals yeah and um Again, I started again as a barista and then became an operational manager for them and even went back to Lebanon and opened for them there, um, one of their sites. But I was in a training um, team. So we would go somewhere um, and train for the new site, for them, the new staff and all that. And then one day we were in Werribee and then the chef called in sick. And um, they were like, we can't send you anyone like till two, three hours from now, like by the time we can organize someone. So I went in and I just um, started cooking and I realized that, okay, I know how to cook only because I was watching the chefs. Because, you know, you spend a lot of time with the chefs when you're working in managerial work in a, in a big company. So, and I fell in love. Like that was, I was maybe 26 or 26 and a half and I just fell in love with it. And, um, and you know how you always have a dream of um, opening your own place eventually one day. I thought, you know what, I'm going to learn it. So that way, if I have a place, I don't have to cook, but at least I can fill in from a kitchen hand position to a head chef position. I'll be able to fit in and I, and I won't worry that much of a walk out or, you know. So that was the the what made me go try and cooking but I didn't know I was so talented in it and I didn't know I adored it this much you know but then at the same time the film Julie and Julia for Julia Child was on and I watched it then I went and bought her her book which is um uh, the the name of it was um uh, My Life in, in France which she she wrote it with her nephew her own biography and it was one of those books that I just, you know, when you um, read a book and you can't stop, like I think I didn't sleep for two days just reading it and I was just in it, you know. I was picturing myself walking her footsteps. I was, I just fell in love with her personality, her, the way she enjoyed 
cooking you know it wasn't like a a job and and it was like just her feeding people I just felt so connected to her and then when you come into Brulee you'll see her everywhere like every quote she said everything like it's very it just reminds me every day why I do this because she had been a great inspiration for me and um yeah so at that time my mom um um, I had a stepdad, his name was Louis Flayfall, and he was the first to bring the fine dining French to Melbourne. And um, even he was uh, the first to bring, you know, the coffee machine, the cappuccino. He had a he had a coffee place in Geelong, and I think the first order that came out to Melbourne was Pellegrini in the city and him in Geelong. It was called the KitKat. It's even um, in the State Library he's in there, you know, because he had completely contributed a lot to the hospitality of Melbourne. So, um, yeah, Lewis was a, was a huge influence on me. And um, so when I went to him, I said, I'm going to study cooking. He goes, okay, you're going to France. I'm like, Louis, it's too expensive because it doesn't matter. I will pay for it. And he did. So eventually I applied to Cordon Bleu in Paris and... Um, they accepted me and I went there and it was just a life-changing experience for me, you know. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's how my culinary um, work started. I was 27, so I still really think I'm, I'm a very young chef, you know, because I, I, haven't, I haven't started cooking since I was 18. I was just, it's just something I've discovered at my later age. So, so you actually studied in the same place that Julia yeah. Child yeah, studied, I did, didn't I you? Did, I did, I did, and it was the same school. And I, I feel like it was an amazing experience for me. On a personal level, it was very um, emotional. You know, because I knew she was in these classrooms. I knew she she was cooking here. I knew, like it was amazing. And and Louis Flayfell, your stepdad. I mean, I didn't. That is a very controversial. Like uh, who, the, the, who brought brought in the first espresso machine? That is such a controversial. Um, like who was first? But I mean, let's say it, yeah. Like obviously he was there right at the on the cusp of um, the Melbourne's dining culture really changing. Yeah, yeah. No, the first two, the first, yeah, the first two machine who brought the coffee, like the espresso machine from Italy. It was Pellegrini and the Kit Kat shop in Geelong, and he told me he made the cost of it in the same day people were queuing because they want to try to see the frothing milk and it was all new to the Australian you know um, culture. Oh, amazing and tell us about some of the restaurants that he opened in the 1960s. Yeah 90s, he had Le Chateau which was one of the top-notch restaurants in Melbourne like all the politicians all the high-end people would come even Princess Anne when she visited Melbourne she dined at his restaurant you know and um, he had the walnut tree he had the paladin he had many many and the left bank so he was well known in the in the industry back then like everybody knew him he was the man with the cigar you know he had the charm he was just a he was a huge man amazing an amazing person to come into your life and um yeah help you pursue your dreams um so what happened next next um so after i've studied i did my training there i got the grand diploma in patisserie and in uh, cuisine and i actually graduated third in, in my class it was 120 students and it was i was really honored you know and one day one of the chefs came he came to me and he goes Mariana one day in 10 years we're gonna come and learn from you and I'm like oh my god like you just (laughs) you have no idea like I don't have an idea of what I'm doing but I just 
I think it's it's food is is emotions, you know. It's just what you put on that plate, and um, yeah. So then, because I graduated third, I had the opportunity to pick where I wanted to work after that for an internship, and of course, I went to um, Tour d'Argent, which is one of a Michelin star restaurant there, and it was Louis's favorite restaurant in Paris. They've had they do have the biggest wine cellar in Europe, you know, and it's right next to Notre Dame de Paris. And um, Louis, when he was young, he'd travel there and he would steal their menu and bring it back to, to Melbourne to just, you know, tell his chefs what, what's, what's the new trends. In, in the, so I work there, imagine, in a kitchen of, you know, like the discipline. It's like it was, it was an amazing experience, you know, where the, you've got, maybe, I don't know, 40 people in the kitchen alone. Uh, or you can drop a pin and nobody would talk when the orders come in and waiting for the sous chef to, to yell out the order. It was, it was really fascinating. And um, after that, I went and did some patisserie um, 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 training in Brasserie Tourmieux, which is owned by the chef Jean-François. Francois Piège, who is a is a celebrity star in France, he started once the chef there, and um, yeah, that was that was again a great experience. And then after that, I came back to Melbourne. Wow, I mean, you say it in a very matter of fact way, but what a lot of knowledge and experience and culture you brought back with you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did, and um, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to work a lot. In, in Melbourne before now like it took me I don't know maybe seven years I was I was actually suffering from some mental mental health issues and um, I did go and work in a few places around here but what I hated was the the unfairness sometimes you know in a in a in a business you know and a head chef thinks that he's allowed to discriminate or he's allowed to um, um, all that politics in the kitchen that I didn't like. This is one thing that I couldn't cope with. And it's something on a personal level that I can't cope with unfairness in life, like in general. So I did go work some places, but to be honest, the only place that I got my best um, experience was home because Lewis would have Every second day, people over for lunch, you know, and I'll be the chef and my mom would be the chef with me. And it was a fine dining restaurant experience. You know, we had to, if you invite 40 people, uh, 10 people for lunch, you'll have maybe 40 folks to wash after that and 40 nights. Like everything had to be spot on because that's how he's, he was used to. So really my biggest experience in cooking was from Lewis himself at home. So, yeah. Wow. I mean, that's really interesting that, you know, you you could uh, – the discipline and the scale of those Michelin star French kitchens was easier to manage than these kitchens in Melbourne. Yeah, I know. I know because um, over there um, it's, it's still fun. At the same time, it's very – Discipline, but um, in Melbourne, I'm telling you, I'm, I struggle because you know there's a lot of immigrants. They come and work in the, in the industry, and um, I can't deal with unfairness. You know, because sometimes if you don't speak the language, it doesn't mean you're dumb. 
Does that make sense? You know, people people need to be more open. But I think it's changing now, I'm sure. But back when I worked, I had some horrible experiences. That's why I said, okay, I don't want to do this. You know, I'll open my own restaurant one day and I'll have my staff happy and that's it. That's all I wanted. Yeah. But um, again, the experience at home was amazing. I got to, like at home, I got to cook foie gras and I got to cook, you know, homemade raviolis and, and, and Louis knew his food and he'd always tell me, you know, in food there's no shortcuts and what you put in that pot goes into your mouth, you know. So if you're using wine and you're cooking, just put the best wine in and if you, you know, like it's, he had taught me a lot, to be honest. And, I mean, sadly, Louis is no longer with us. Yeah, 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 yeah. He passed away um, four years ago. But, yeah, um, I just, I wish I wish he was here now to see what I've done because half of the furniture were actually in his restaurants, you know. I've moved them to Brulee and, um, yeah. Tell us, tell us the next part of the story, Mariana. So next part of the story uh, was one day that, um, you know, COVID hit. I was working at a cafe in Richmond, but I was very short because it's always takeaway. So I started just making food at home and I'll get my friends and, you know, um, family to try. And um, my best friend, Paula, Paula Keiru, she was my biggest, actually, um, pusher to go ahead and open because you know when you want to open something it was um it's always you're hesitant if I'm doing the right thing and she always kept pushing me because um she was very well traveled and she knew her food too you know and um every time I cook something she'll just bang this is do it good and this is perfect you know she will always judge me very bluntly very honestly and um um, yeah, so that was just a trial. And then one day I made a croissant and they all fell in love with them, you know. And I was proofing in the oven with a cup of hot water and it was just, I was having fun really at home. And then um, Paula kept pushing me. She goes, you should, you should sell these, you know. And, and I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. So I put it in a box and I went to the pantry in Brighton, you know. And I dropped off the box and I left my number on the box. Like I didn't have business cards or anything. And I said, look, I don't know who's the owner. Like I knew of him. I said, this is my product. If he likes it, let him call me. And he rings me the second day. He goes, come down. What's your story? I said, I have no story. I'm just doing this at home. And I think they're really good, you know. And he said, yes, start. I will support you. And um, his name is Daniel. And um, he was the reason why everything has happened here now at the moment. Because he believed in me. He goes, do it. I'll wait for you. Organize everything you need to do. Start from home. And then, yeah, that's how I started in the garage, you know, got everything approved and started selling. And he got me 10 other customers, maybe, you know, as a wholesaler. And then all of a sudden, three months later, I had four or five people working with me. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it, was, it was so quick, you know, and that was... Um, a bit scary for me. That's amazing. So, I mean, how could how far could you take production at home? Like, well, it was a big space, so um, we were doing like I don't know, four hundred croissants a day, you know, all hand laminated. And um, but my mom got, you know, I mean, she could help me out to start with, but um, having people coming in at four o'clock in the morning you know into her home it was a bit so she said to me it's time to move on to another premises and yeah I was looking for a place I had a vision of Brulee I didn't know how it would look like but I just needed a heritage 
corner shop. And that's what led me to Port Melbourne, just the building. <laughs> it is a lovely space and, yeah, it's it's got a yeah nice corner spot, um, big windows on both sides. Uh, tell us about bringing the space together and, and opening up. Yes. So what happened was that um, the only few people came in and checked it with me and one of them was Paula and she was a lawyer so she was helping me because I have no idea you know like I'm still a baby in this industry I'm not I'm not a I'm not an expert so um, she was helping me with the lease and all that and then after I finalized the day I signed the lease I bring her to tell her we did it and then her sister answers and she tells me that she passed away with a heart attack and it was the biggest shock of my life like I was I was I was broken you know I couldn't think straight and imagine I had to move a shop I had to keep my customer running it's not like I can just shut I had um, a product to deliver at the same time I've lost somebody so precious to me and um, it was really really hard like my motivation was down to minus 100 maybe you know and but it kept going it kept going I had trained my staff properly and they were very helpful back then you know they they did it I was absent for a few months I was totally absent from Brulee but um, yeah slowly slowly we moved and um, just to keep her next to me we've got a huge mural at the back of Brulee next time you come and make sure you check it out to her face and um yeah I just I said if I if I make it I want to make it with Paula's I want to I want to make sure she's part of my story everywhere I go so yeah and then we moved in it was a wholesale place you know I didn't have the money to start off to build it so started slowly slowly I said look we'll just use the kitchen for now and then later on we can after COVID finishes we'll stop you know and then we opened the cafe but um just opposite to us there's a very famous um artist called Catherine Hillel she's French and then somehow she knew we were opening a French patisserie so she posted on Instagram like um I post she's excited about um you know this new place around the corner just opposite to her actually so I called her in you know how in Lebanese we've got this in whoever's walking down the street come in try you know and then she came in tried and then she posted that um you know this is the best she's had in Australia so far and turns out she had like 50,000 followers all from Port Melbourne locals that follow her and then that night I remember our Instagram was like um didn't every five six minutes going when are you opening when are you opening and I'm like okay so we we used to um we started by putting just a table outside with the croissants and you know and sell it out to people they just come and buy and leave and by 12 o'clock we'll shut and yeah so um, wow Mariana it's such a I mean there's so much joy in your story but also a lot of sorrow um a lot of emotion, a lot of intention, and it seems like a lot of, you know, a series of uh, fortunate events as well as some very unfortunate ones. I, I know, I know. It's like, yeah, but it's like if I tell you the story now, it, and all this happened in the last year and a half, you know, it's not something that I, I, I still cannot believe it. And and not only that, like Melbourne University came to me after we opened and said, uh, pick a shop, we want you to open there. You know, it was, it was really overwhelming to a point where I was – drunk by success does that make sense that I've lost control at some point and I had to really reground myself 
and say, okay, this is not about a business, you know, because I started going to Melbourne Uni and then all that. And, and it was taking me away from the thing that I enjoy doing, which is cooking and, and seeing my customers and, and watch them eat my, you know, like whoever comes in for the first time, I put the cross, I said, Ida, I want to see you have the first bite because I love to see the first reaction, you know. So I pulled back from everything and now I'm just focused on this and focused on myself because this is what I enjoy. You know, I'm not a businesswoman and I uh, will never intend to be one, but I just love people and I love to feed them. Well, I mean, you say you're not a businesswoman, but at the same time, you are running a business and you're running it very intentionally. And of course, you know, we know that... Because it's personal, you know, because it's personal. It doesn't feel like a business, you know. It's just, they're all my family. All I have to do, it's like having running a family. It's like having kids. Just make sure you bring in enough money to feed your children. That's, that's how I see it. I don't see it as a business. I still have a lot to learn, you know, and I've done a lot of mistakes when it comes to business. But again, you learn how to hire the right people to help you. I mean, let's help some people not make the same mistakes. Like what are some of the things that you've learned? Well, first thing is that um, stay grounded. That's the first thing. And stay focused on your product, you know, because this is your, what you are serving, this is, this is it. This is your business, nothing else. You know, you can't just uh, go focus on something else and leave it thinking it's going to work. No, when you're starting a small business and you have a product that's your product, you have to make sure every day it's coming out good. You can't just neglect it and say, that's okay, people will come back. People won't come back, you know. I think um, Melbourneian and, and Australian in general now know that a good food they'll come back you know they know they've started traveling a lot and they know what a good product is you can't just um do shortcuts here and there just to like they're not dumb with their palates anymore do you know what i mean like people are really and 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 this um, diversity of food and it's like it's coming it's coming together like I, I bring in my Lebanese I know I'm cooking French but I bring in my Lebanese background into it you know and this is this is like two people a French and a, and a Lebanese you know it's the same like uh, globalization is happening and it's happening in food which is wonderful you know it's just like you see children that are half Lebanese half French or half Asian Malaysian and that's 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 happening in food too so tell me then about the Zatar croissant. Yes, well, Zatar croissant is quite popular in Lebanon, you know, and I wanted to feel, you know, when you go to school and it's something cheap you buy at your cafeteria, like at your, and it's just, I wanted that feeling. I wanted to have a croissant that just reminds me of my childhood, really. And um, yeah, I, I thought I have to put it in. <laughs> and it's amazing. It. Like, it's amazing. It is amazing. I thought it was really a really beautiful um, expression of your background, uh, but also the the artistry of this classic French um, pastry. I mean, croissants be having a bit of a moment in Australia. Um, what what do you think is is happening with with croissant culture? Well, to be look to be very very honest, I live in my own bubble in Brulee, right? I hear customers talking about like. There's abundance in 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 everything in life, you know, and um and this is what makes it so special because you can come and have my croissant, you can go somewhere else have a croissant, and and when it's a good croissant, it's a good croissant, but but it's 
it's it's simple. It's just a croissant. You can't have. Um, for me, I'm very traditional when it comes to cooking, you know, and I really respect every ingredient. Like, I, I just hate to see a croissant filled with cream and meringue on top. This is, this is. I feel it's a, it's an insult to the actual product because you lose the taste of the actual butter because in croissants it's just butter. But imagine you're having chocolate and, and you're having mousse and you're having marshmallows and all that. I feel like... I don't know. Just for me, I don't, I don't like that. I, I just like traditional, a plain croissant, a good plain croissant that has the butter. You know, you have to give every product um, the space to just be in haste in what you are offering. Yeah, express that purity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because everything and everything, like even if you're having a ham sandwich, you just have to have a ham sandwich. You can't put sauce. You can't. Just salt and pepper, that's that all it needs. And actually, when I hire chefs, this is the first thing I ask. It's just a traditional, you know, ham and cheese sandwich. It's just an omelette, something so simple, because this is how you feel. If they can make it tasty, then they've won. They can make anything tasty. If you can make a simple product come out tasty and yummy, uh, I mean, this is it. And you mentioned it's, you know, you love watching your customers take that first bite. Like, what... Try to can you explain that joy? <laughs> I harass them, you know. Like I'll come, like with my customers, it's a community feel, and I, I I know until until you come into the shop, we can never explain it. You know, sometimes we have um, a group of people will come on that big table and do knitting. You know, I wanted a community. I want to have more friends that that come and enjoy the food that I would eat. That was the whole point of Brulee. And um, whenever I see some, like, I'll just go and sit with you. Like, I don't, I have no boundaries when it comes to customers. You've come into my home. This is how I feel. I'll introduce myself, sit with you, and I'll, even my staff, they do the same thing. I've taught them how to be generous, you know, like get them to try it and then see their feedback. And because they are even, eventually my customers are my shareholders and they are my investors, you know, without them, I can't run anything. So I sit down and I'll like, especially when somebody that comes in and pretend, not pretend, but they've been around, they've tried croissants. I'm like, no, no, wait till you try mine. And I'll put them down and I'm like, have a bite. And they'll grab the fork and knife. I was like, no, 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 just grab it with your hands. Like you have to feel it. If you don't feel what you're eating, um, how could you? And then I'll watch them going, mm, that's good. I'm like, yeah, this is it. This is my ecstasy when it comes to Verlet, you know. Beautiful, Mariana. I I just love it. Uh it's yeah, really, uh, really beautiful to connect with you and to get um, a sense of what you're creating there. I can't wa- wait to eat more of your croissants and other creations. But um, yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to have you here and have give you a tour of our kitchen. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I want to see what you're creating there. Yeah, because every customer, every regular, like we'll bring them into the kitchen and we make them part of it, you know. Like I bet you 90% of my customers can walk into the kitchen without even asking, you know. They'll come in, say hi to the chefs because it's, it's, it's like home, you know. When you're cooking for your friends, they come in and this is the same thing here. Beautiful. Well, you've created something very special and thanks for taking us on a little tour today, Mariana. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. 
We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.